0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God Amen. I, I wish you all a very blessed and happy Epiphany Feast. When our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized in the Jordan River at the hands of Saint John the Baptist, the Holy Trinity was manifested. That's why. This feast we call it Theophania because Theo means God, as we say Agios or Theos. Phania means manifestation. So we call this feast the Feast of Theophany because the Triune God, the Trinity, Triune, Tri means three, Yun, one, three in one, the Triune God was manifested in that day why sometimes we call it epiphany what's the difference between epiphany and theophany epi means from above for example this layer of skin we call it epiderm. so epi means from above And, and phania means manifestation so epiphania means the feasts in which there is manifestation from above, so the incarnation part of the epiphania, circumcision is part of the epiphania, the theophany is part of the epiphania. But because the manifestation of the Trinity from above happened on the day of baptism, so now it is referred to to it as epiphania. So epiphania or theophany. Both the same. Epiphania, the manifestation from above, from heaven. Theophania is the divine manifestation. I'm sure you know that God the Father spoke from the heavens and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And God the Son was in the Jordan River. And God the Holy Spirit appeared as a dove alighting on the head of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is one in essence, but triple or three in persons, although we like to use the word hypostasis more than the word person. Just to explain what do I mean? By the way, there is no metaphor at all can describe the Trinity. But we will give you some metaphors to explain what does it mean one in essence and three in hypostasis and how the three are one. For example, if you have Nicholas and bracelet and ring, the three made of gold. So we can say the essence of the ring and the bracelet and the necklace are the same three made of gold, one essence but they are different and they are separate from each other so this metaphor explains to you how three things have the same essence but it doesn't explain how they are one if you are speaking about the light and the heat and the sun they are one together but the essence is not the same the example of the sun the light and the heat can make us understand what do we mean by three in one but the problem with this metaphor that the essence of these three are not the same the metaphor of the bracelet ring and necklace will explain to you what do I mean the same essence but the problem with this metaphor they are separate and they are different from each other that's why we we call God triunity triune trihypostatical trinity one in essence three hypostases in one usiyah usiyah is the Greek word of essence And hypostasis, when at the end it is S-E-S, that's the plural. The singular S-I-S. So hypostasis, S-I-S, that's the plural. One hypostasis, three hypostasis. Hypo literally means sub. Stasis means stance. So hypostasis means like a person. Who I am. We as human beings. We have the same essence. All of us. But we are different in hypostasis. Hypostasis. made me? Ambusive. What made you? George. Or Peter. Or Mark. So hypostasis. Refers to who you are. What is under your stance. That's the word hypostasis. But the metaphor of three persons explain again the essence, but it doesn't explain the unity because three persons are not one. If we speak about three persons, Mark, Peter and John, when we speak about the attributes of their essence, it will be similar. Because it is the attribute of the humanity. But each one has his own personal attribute. This person is tall, this person is short, this person wears glasses, this person, etc. This person is physician, this person is a lawyer, this person is accountant, etc. When we speak about the three hypostases, they have personal or hypostatic attributes these personal or hypostatic attributes are very unique for each one there is something unique about the father something very unique about the son and something very unique about the holy spirit what are these hypostatic attributes the father is unbegotten and by the way in the fraction of the feast of Theophany, at the end we say that we may cry to you who is not created without beginning unbegotten. And one time somebody sent me text message, there is mistake in the fraction. I told him what? How we say unbegotten? We say begotten of the Father before all ages. He's confusing the son with the father. So I told him, no. Here we are speaking to the father, not to the son. The father is unbegotten, but the son is begotten. So what's unique about the father? That he is unbegotten. He is the source. And the son, what's unique about the son? That he is begotten from the father. And what's unique about the Holy Spirit, that he proceeds from the Father. We cannot say the Son proceeds. We cannot say the Father proceeds. We cannot say the Holy Spirit is begotten. So what's unique about the Father? He is the origin, the source, from whom the Son is begotten and the Holy Spirit proceeds. The revelation of Trinity exalt Christianity without comparison above any other religion or any other confession of faith. Because simple monotheism, the religions that believe in just there is a God. This God cannot be relational because one exists by himself. In order to have relation, there has to be another. So if God is just monotheism, not trinity, then there is no relation within himself or with us. because if there is a relation started with the creation of the humanity, then this relation is something new for God and means also God is not self-sufficient. He needed to create us in order to have a relationship. But when we speak about God as a Trinity, there is relationship between the three hypostases, even before the creation of the world. As we read in John chapter 17, the son was speaking to the father and he told him, the love with which you loved me before the creation of the world. So there is a relation between the Father and the Son. Relationship of love. This dogma of Trinity indicates the fullness of the mystical inward life in God. Inward life means the life with himself and with the other two hypostases. God doesn't need to create us To be satisfied in relationship. God is love. And the love of God cannot merely be extended to the world created by Him. But there is love between the three hypostases. Even before the creation of the world. So in the Holy Trinity. This love is directed within the divine life also. Before the creation of the cosmos. And this dogma also, the Trinity, indicates the closeness of God to the world. In other religions, they speak about God who is above us, and that's it. But in Christianity, yes, God is above us, God is with us, God is in us. God is above us, God the Father, no one has seen the Father. But He connects with us through His Son. God the Father is the ever-flowing source. He is the foundation of all being. He is the Father of all mercies. But He sent His Son to be with us, Emmanuel, in order through the Son we can connect to the Father. So, Emmanuel, God with us, is the Son, who, for the sake of the divine love, has manifested himself to us as man, so that we might know and see with our own eyes that God is with us, Emmanuel. And when he said to the Holy Spirit, God is in us, you are the temple of God. And the Holy Spirit is within you. He is within us by his power and grace. That is the Holy Spirit who fills all things, who is the giver of life and the treasury of good things, as we say in the third hour of the Igbeya. The treasury of all good things. Also, the three persons or the Sihai Bostasis, are not simply forms or isolated manifestation or just attribute or activity. Some people try to explain the trinity like the vapor, ice and water. But this is a theoretical explanation because vapor, ice and water are three forms The Father does not change his form to be the Son, then change his form to be the Holy Spirit. Like how the water can be vapor or can be ice. No, they are beings. Being called the Father, another being called the Son, another being called the Holy Spirit. Also, isolated manifestation means what some people explain Trinity. In the Old Testament, God the Father. During the Incarnation, He became the Son. Then, after Ascension, He became the Holy Spirit. This means three manifestations. Like somebody would like to explain Trinity, so He say, You are a father to your children, and you are a son to your parents, and you are a brother to your siblings so the trinity is like this no that's heresy trinity is not like this because here it is different manifestation or different relations but the father is a being the son is a being the holy spirit is a being we say in the creed true god of true god the three person or three hypostases are contained in the very unity of God's essence. The three hypostases have the same attribute of the divine essence. Do you remember when I told you, we as human beings, we have the same attribute of humanity, but each hypostasis, each person have a unique attribute. So they have the same attribute of divinity, the essence, but each one, is distinguished in the hypostatical or personal attribute. To explain this, the attributes of the divinity, of the essence, God is a loving God, God is true God, wisdom, love, life, might, prudence, some examples of the attribute of the essence of God. But I told you there are hypostatical attributes, which are very unique. What's very unique to the Father is paternity. He is the origin, the source. And what's unique about the Son, the filiation. He is begotten. And what's unique about the Holy Spirit is inspiration. He is proceeding. So if we put both together as you see in the table in front of you. Take the truth. So we can say about the Father, He is the true one. From Him, the truth is begotten. And the spirit of truth is proceeding. The Father is the wise one. From Him, the wisdom is begotten. And the spirit of wisdom is Proceeds. God is the lover of mankind From him love is begotten And the spirit of love proceeds He is the living one From him the life is begotten And the spirit of life proceeds He is the mighty one From him the might is begotten and the spirit of mind proceeds. He is the prudent one. From him, prudence is begotten, and the spirit of prudence proceeds. That's why when we refer to the Holy Spirit, we say, spirit of truth. The Son, when he referred about himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we refer to the Father, we say, the lover of mankind, the Almighty. And the Holy Trinity, actually, there are many references in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Just, I will share with you few references, not all the references. Like in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So here, plural. It is not a singular person is speaking in plural in some language like in Arabic language a person can speak in plural to exalt himself I can say we so and so referring to myself but in Hebrew this doesn't exist in Hebrew if it's plural then it is more than one person so here God said let us, let us not let me make man in our image after our likeness what about Genesis 3.22 and the Lord God said behold Adam is become as one of us one of us who are us here the Trinity to know good and evil Psalm 2 verse 7 the Father is speaking to the Son Thou art my Son This day I have begotten thee Which day? Let me explain the filiation When we say the Son is begotten from the Father This doesn't mean it is an event happened and ended No, when we say the light is begotten from the Son S-U-N so the light all the time, all the time, coming from the sun. In the same way, the son Son, all the time, is begotten from the Father. So this day doesn't refer to a certain day, but refers to a continuous filiation from the Father. Psalm seventy-three, verse six, by the word that is the Son of the Lord that is the Father where the heavens established and all the might of them by the Spirit of his mouth so here you can have the Son, the Father and the Holy Spirit Psalm 142.12 Thy good spirit shall lead me in the land of uprightness Thy, speaking to the Father good spirit so the Spirit of the Father. Isaiah 48, 16, it's a beautiful verse. The Lord God the Father and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has sent to me, then to the Son to the world. So it is very clear. The Father and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, sent to me, sent to the Son. In New Testament, Matthew 28, verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Very clear. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter, that is the Holy Spirit, is come, whom I, the Son, Jesus, will send unto you from the Father. So here the Holy Spirit, and the Son, and the Father. Even the Spirit of Truth, which proceeds from the Father, He shall testify of me, of the Son. He, the Holy Spirit, shall testify of me, of the Son. I want here to explain two different words. The word send and the word proceeds. Proceed is an eternal action. The Holy Spirit is proceeding from the Father all the time. As I told you, the Son is begotten from the Father all the time. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father all the time. Sending is different than procession. Sending happened in time. When the Son, Jesus Christ, ascended to heaven, He sent the Holy Spirit that's why he said whom I will send unto you from the Father so sending is different from procession I think the Catholic Church confuses sending with procession that's why in their creed they added who proceeds from the Father and the Son it's very clear in John 15 the Holy Spirit proceeds only from the Father not from the Son and I told you the Son filiation means begotten so in Latin the Son is filiochi so proceed from the Father and the Son when you, you, you read about the great great schism between East and West that happened in year 1054 it was you like about the filioque. What's the filioque? When they added the Son to the Creed, when the Catholic Church added the word of the Son to the Creed, and they said the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. That's why the East is split from the West, the Orthodox is split from the Catholic. And this happened in the 11th century and is known by the Creed Schism. Sending, yes, the Son sent the Holy Spirit, but proceeding, He proceeds from the Father. Second Corinthians thirteen verse fourteen, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Son and the love of God, the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Here we can see the Trinity. First John five seven. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. What about patristic writings? Of course, there are many early Church Fathers who spoke about the Trinity. St. Assanatius says, neither can we imagine three substances separated from each other let me stop at the word substances if we go back to the word hypostasis I told you literally hypostasis the word hypo means sub, stasis means stance so literally I can translate hypostasis to the word substance because hypo means sub stasis means stance so hypostasis can be translated substance but hold on the use of the word is different through different centuries now when I say the substance substance refers to what? to the essence in our current time when I say, what is the substance of this cross? You're gonna tell me, wood. So this is actually the essence. But back then in the fourth century, substance did not refer to the essence, but it referred to the hypostasis, the person. You understand? So when you read actually in patristic writings, they use the word substance as synonymous with hypostasis. Please don't be confused. Because the use of the word changed from time to time. In the fourth century, it meant hypostasis, but nowadays it means essence. I hope this is clear. So when Saint Athanasius said, neither can we imagine three substances, means three hypostases separated from each other. We cannot imagine that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit separated from each other. As a result, from their bodily nature, in the case of men, when we speak about three persons, they are separated from each other. But when we speak about the three hypostases, they are not separated from each other. Lest we hold a plurality of God like the heathen polytheism to believe in more than one God. No. One God but three hypostases. And Saint Osiris used this metaphor. He says if you have a spring of water and from this spring there is river flows. The spring is not the river but both are one and both have the same essence, right? But just as a river produced from a well or a spring is not separate, and yet there are in fact two visible objects and two names of the spring and the river, but they are one united with each other and one in essence. but how this cannot be used as a metaphor for the trinity because these are two but the trinity are three and as I told you there is no metaphor at all that can describe trinity you have to put more than one metaphor together in order to understand what trinity is Saint continues and says for neither is the father the son the father is not the son that's why i told you when we say before in the old testament he is called the father and then in the new testament is called the son and after ascension called the holy spirit that's a heresy the father is not the son nor the son is the father for the father is the father of the son that is the hypothetical attribute of the father and the son is the son of the father That is the hypothetical attribute, he is begotten. For like as the well is not a river, the well is not a river, nor the river a well or the spring, but both are one, and the same water which is conveyed in a channel from the well to the river, one in essence and united with each other. San Asanasis continues. So, the Father deity passes into the Son, that's the essence, without flow and without division. Here we see the river passes from the well to the river. But no, when we say the deity of the Father passes to the Son without flowing, it's not like how the water comes from this spring and flow into the living. Without flowing and without division, there is no division between the deity of the Father and the Son, the other one. For the Lord it says, I came out from the Father and I am come. John 16:28. So I came out doesn't mean the essence of the Father or the deity of the Father is flowing into the Son. No. Sometimes when it is difficult to describe something, you say it is not like this, and it's not like this, and it's not like this. Can you tell me how it looks like no word can describe? That's why many times when we speak about God, we say without beginning, without end, without timeless. You know, he's not this, and he's not this, and he's not this, and he's not this but because there is no word can describe who he is. Sarna Sarasus continues. But he is ever with the Father and he is in the bosom of the Father. Not was ever the bosom of the Father void of the deity of the Son from eternity to eternity. So the specific relation of the Son to the Father from whom he is begotten is precisely as Son. This relationship is quite different from the relationship of the Holy Spirit like breath proceeds from his mouth. You may tell me why you don't use the word uh, the Holy Spirit begotten from the Father, why you are using two different words begotten for the Son and proceeds for the holy spirit because these are two different relationship if you ask me how different i will tell you i don't know but they are different like the heat comes from the sun sun is different how the light comes from the sun the sun drives from the father in a way appropriate to the son and son and this we call it generation generation but the spirit drives from the father in a way appropriate to the spirit as the spirit we call it procession so the son unoriginally begotten what do you mean unoriginally? he's not the origin the origin is the father but he is begotten and the Spirit unbegottenly proceeding. Unbegottenly means he is not begotten from the Father, but he proceeds from the Father. And both quite ineffably. You you cannot describe. I think they asked St. Athanasius, what is the difference between generation and procession? He told them, if you can explain to me how St. Mary gave birth to Christ without seed of man I will answer you the difference but what he is trying to say it is a mystery and usually we refer to God incomprehensible he is above our comprehension the father who is himself without generation or origination so the father we cannot say he is begotten or he has origin in the son course not. The Father is the one principle or the one origin and the cause of the Son and the Spirit. Because the Son is begotten from the Father and the Spirit proceeds from the Father, but without any difference in time. Like the heat and the light come from the Son, S-U-N, with no difference in time. Although in such a way that there is no interval of existence, no interval of existence, never ever the Father exists without the Son and the Holy Spirit. Never ever. No interval of existence or time or space between them. There is no before and after in the order of their being. cannot say the Father is before the Son and the Son is after the Father. No. And the community of nature, the the essence, the one osiya, the essence, is not disturbed by the distinction of the person. Yes, we have three hypostases, distinguished hypostases, but this did not make the essence different. So the essence is the same. The one osiya is the same. And the particularization not of the persons what make the Son particularly the Son and what make the Holy Spirit particularly the Holy Spirit are not confound this particularization of the Son and the Holy Spirit and the Father not confounded in the community of their being not because they are one essence then there is no clear distinguish between the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit. So now we finished the theological part. And I hope it's clear. But what does this mean to me? This manifestation of the Trinity. What does this mean to me personally? How can I benefit from this? that's what we're going to discuss right now our relationship with the Holy Trinity the son is the bridegroom many verses in the scripture speak about the son and John the Baptist said about the son he is the bridegroom and John the Baptist he is the friend of the bridegroom if there is bridegroom then there is a bride who is the bride? us the church the assembly of the believers, and usually when there is a wedding there is one officiates the wedding so the marriage between the son and the church is done through the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit in the sacraments of the church and the marriage goes in three steps The first step is the proposal and the engagement. Second step is the civil marriage. When you go and marry in the court. Third step is the consummation of the marriage. When they live together as one. One flesh. That's why. When you read in the Bible about St. Mary, she is the wife of Joseph. The word wife is accurate because there was civil marriage between Joseph and Mary, although this marriage never ever consummated. They never ever lived as husband and wife. Legally, she is his wife. in our relationship with Christ in his incarnation he proposed to us he asked us to marry him when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Lord our Savior our God our groom then the process of betrothal starts The first step in the process of the betrothal is to prepare us to be fit to this bridegroom. Our bridegroom is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So the Holy Spirit in the sacrament of confession purifies us and cleanses us from our sins to be a suitable bride for the bridegroom as we read in Ephesians chapter 5 to present the bride without blemish to the bridegroom then in baptism we are born of water and spirit we are born a spiritual birth, rebirth not of flesh but of spirit as the Lord said to Nicodemus he who is born of flesh is flesh means carnal but he who is born of the spirit is spirit which means spiritual to be bride of the bridegroom we need to be born of the spirit and in baptism we put on Christ as we read in Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 we put on new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And St. Paul said, you who were baptized, you put on Christ. Then in the confirmation, Myrun, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. You are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit abides in you. And then we become members of Christ. as we read in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30 who are bones of his bones and flesh of his flesh you can see the unity here that's why when Saint Paul spoke about the sin of adultery he said can I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? what are the members of Christ? it's me because now we are members of his members and bones of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Then in communion, the Holy Spirit descends on the bread and wine and on us too. Abuna in his prayer says, send your Holy Spirit upon us and upon the bread and the wine. To change the elements into the body And blood of Christ And to make us one with Christ He who eats my body and drink my blood Abide in me and I in him Through this betrothal We become one with Christ So God proposed to us We accept this proposal Then the Holy Spirit Will make like the betrothal but the consummation of the marriage, the full union with God, this happened in the second coming. That's why we, we hear about the supper of the wedding of the Lamb in the second coming. And Saint Paul said, We are betrothed, I betrothed you. So now in the stage of betrothal, the full union in the second coming of Christ and now Christ is the son he is the son of the father so in him we become children of the father because we are one with Christ do you remember when the Lord Jesus Christ said to Mary Magdalene after resurrection I did not ascend to my father and your father and to my God and your God How the Lord said about the Father, my God, and how he said about the Father, your Father, pay attention to what I'm going to say. I did not ascend to my Father by nature, and your Father by adoption, and my God by incarnation, and your God by nature. Again, again. When he referred to the father as my father, that's by nature. But when he referred to the father as my God, that's by incarnation. Because in incarnation he became man. And when he said referred to the father, your God, that's by nature. He's our God. And when he said by your father, that's by adoption. The adoption is not like here on earth somebody fill some legal paper and does the adoption. No. The adoption happens through the marriage between us and the son. That's how we enter into the family of God and become children of God. As St. Paul said in Romans 8, 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we can cry abba father in the fraction of the epiphany the feast of epiphany we say you granted us the grace of adoption through baptism by which we can call you abba father now after we are baptized and born again We can call God our father. We can call him Abba. And St. Paul continues, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If Abuna married a couple here and somebody said, oh, this couple is not married. So Abuna comes and says, no. I married them. I bear witness. So the Holy Spirit, who united us with the Son, bears witness that we are children of God. So if Satan tried to say, no, we are not children of God, the Holy Spirit will bear witness. No, we are the children of God. And St. Paul continues in Romans 8.17, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So how we will inherit the kingdom of God? Not by our merits, not by our virtues. No, we will inherit because we are children, because we are married to Christ, because we accepted Christ to be our Lord, our God, and our Savior, and our King, and our Bridegroom. So if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs of Christ. So to summarize, I can't describe it this way. We are children of God the Father. How? Through our marriage with his only begotten son. Who officiated this marriage? Through the action of the Holy Spirit. Where? in the sacraments, in the mysteries of the church. That's why St. John, in John 1, 12, he said, but as many as received him, received him means accepted his proposal, to them he gave the power to become children of God. Those who accepted this proposal to be the bride of Christ, He gives them the power to be children of God. So in conclusion, we cannot be heirs of the kingdom of heaven unless we are children of God the Father. And we cannot be children of God the Father except through our marriage with the Son. (coughs) And we cannot have relationship. With Christ as his bride without the action of the Holy Spirit. And we cannot receive the Holy Spirit away from the church and the sacraments of the church, the mysteries of the church. That's why I told you we'll inherit the kingdom of God not by our merits. Many people ask a question I know somebody who's not Christian, but he's a good person and good character is he going to inherit the kingdom of God? If you understand that we will not inherit the kingdom of God by our merits, not because our good, because we are good. and Nobody actually is good. But the only way to inherit, as St. Paul said, if we are children, then we are heirs. So this question about, I know somebody not Christian, but good means you don't understand that the kingdom of heaven is granted to us based on accepting the son to be our bridegroom. Like there is a very, very wealthy man, and his son proposed to several girls. One girl accepted this proposal. So this girl only will be eligible to inherit this very wealthy man. If somebody tells me, but the other girls are good, why they will not inherit? (laughs) Yeah, they are good, but they cannot. Because they rejected the proposal, they rejected the son. They did not accept the son to be their bridegroom. That's why they will not inherit. And if we understand that we cannot have relationship with Christ this marriage without the action of the Holy Spirit and we cannot receive the Holy Spirit away from the church and its sacrament That's why St. John Chrysostom said there is no salvation outside the church I know somebody who has a wonderful relationship with God but he doesn't come to church He doesn't like the institutions of the church But he has a wonderful relationship with God. I wonder how he will be united with Christ. How this marriage with the bridegroom will happen without baptism, without confession, without uh, communion, without chrismation. So there is no salvation outside the church. I hope I was able to simplify this topic as much as I could. Glory be to God. Forever and ever in.